Welcome, welcome everyone. A special edition of the Sunday Reading Series because as you listen to this, uh, you'll be reflecting on the Christmas readings. So we are going to be talking all about Christmas, I'm sure, reflecting on this amazing period of faith, I guess, and, and just amazing moment in time and all these other things. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Can't celebrate the greatness of the resurrection and our redemption had not the Savior who redeemed us had first been born. So mm -hmm. Christmas is actually a higher solemnity than Easter, believe it or not. Yeah. Kind Can't of. Have one without the other. No, absolutely not. But I'd ask you how your week's been, but I've seen you a lot this week. Yeah. Hung <laughs> out Sunday, did a little Santa's workshop on Tuesday. It was fun. It was Visited good. the greater Indiana area. That's right. So too bad for the rest of you throughout the country and throughout the world because Santa was hanging out in Indianapolis this week. I feel bad for everybody, but he was he was just hanging in Indy. So hopefully he can catch everybody else up because we're running out of time. <laughs> good thing is Jesus will be hanging with us all come Sunday. That's right. Christmas yeah. Day. That is right. So you said something via text when you're looking through things and you're like, what readings do we even reflect on? So many readings to choose from. So for our, our non-Catholic friends, when, when we link the readings, you're going to see different readings linked to different Christmas masses, which is kind of fun. Um, so we're going to be probably all over the board on some things, but that's never a bad thing, I don't think. No. no, no, no. So where do you want to start? Well, I, I mean... Jesus in the manger is always a great place to start. <laughs> so we have Matthew's uh, gospel, which is the one that talks a little bit more about, um, oh, he kind of lays it out kind of like the facts of the situation and, and brings in St. Joseph and the dream that he had not to divorce Mary. And Whereas St. Luke's gospel, uh, we get two of them for the Christmas readings and this uh, upcoming Sunday. Because Christmas is on a Sunday. Want to hear a funny priest joke here? Oh, please. <laughs> what? What? Chris, what year did Christmas? Oh, my gosh. I messed it up. What <laughs> years do priests hate when Christmas falls? Jeez Louise. Why is it that priests hate it when Christmas falls on a Sunday? Why, Chris? Because you only get one collection. <laughs> <laughs> Falls on a Wednesday, you get Christmas and Sunday That's collections. It. Falls on a Sunday, you get them both in one. But hey, you know, there's a practicality to that point. Like, you know, you gotta keep keep the utilities paid and all <laughs> right. and staff paid. I mean, you do budget, believe it or not, you do budget for one less collection because of that. Because <laughs> people will just give once. They're not gonna give twice. Yeah. So yeah, you, you every seven years you gotta budget for the fact that you're gonna have a <laughs> Lower collection that that Christmas. It's like budgeting for. We always it's kind of this blessing and curse thing. So we have a, a two pay system in our organization. So as we're budgeting, it's like you've got two months out of the year that are always three pay months. Just the way those every other week payments. Uh -huh. It's like you hate it when you're budgeting because you're like, ugh, these are rough months because it's hard for them to. <laughs> to get the net neutral. But then when, as an employee of that said organization, you love those months because you're going to get paid three times. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's just a blessing and a curse, but. Um, Look at us, such great Catholics. We started talking about Jesus 
you know, in the major and instantly go right to money and collections. <laughs> I I got struck Shoot. by uh, Luke's and kind of John's gospel. So Luke's, he takes a more global approach. And the reflection uh, that I have for this Advent, there's a reflection written by Bishop Barron on this, and he he outlays Luke's gospel in a way that's kind of interesting, I think. And it's I've really been thinking about it a lot lately. It's um, you know, he he starts the gospel out with Quirinius, the governor of Syria. Quirinius. Yes, Quirinius. Right. Can't say it. Uh, and Caesar Augustus. So it's like, you know, if you walk by anybody in the street, like out of a hundred people, who could tell you who Quirinius, who I can't say? I do know who he is, but I can't say his name. How many people could, call him Q? Q, we'll call him Q Dog. <laughs> how many people would know Q Dog? And how many people <laughs> would know who Caesar Augustus was? And versus even in our post Christian world now, if I said, hey, who is Jesus Christ, they could at least probably get it in the ballpark. Mm-hmm. But I think from a reflection standpoint, if you go back and you look at the history of the time, those are the two most powerful people in the land. So when you start to read a story about that time, you would you would think you would start to talk about Caesar Augustus, who was literally the ruler of the entire world, as far as the world was concerned back then. But nowadays, it's like, maybe if you really have an understanding when you go get that hot and ready at little Caesars, that, that there might be a tie there to Caesar Augustus <laughs> Maybe <laughs> with the little guy saying pizza, pizza. Depends <laughs> how much pops moves smoking before they went probably. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, but he was literally like the most powerful person in the entire world. Right. Yeah. And then, but then he, well, Caesar, ju- yeah, Caesar, Caesar yeah. right. And he juxtaposes this with, with this story of this baby being born in, in a trough uh, where animals eat out of, and it's just really very humble situation. Uh, but this is the King of the universe versus the King of the world at the time. So it's, it's the reflection is all about, looking at the gospel story of this constant struggle and in the biblical story of, you know, the king of the world, worldly fallenness versus God and the king of the universe. And so it just sets that tone. And it's, it's interesting to think about it that way, you know, and, and we talked a little bit about this in the last episode. So I'm still, I still think I'm there mentally about, you know, thinking about the, the creator of the universe being born in such a manner when, you know, compared to the the rule of the world at the time sitting in his palace probably getting anything he wanted when he wanted it and all those kinds of things but here we are talking about jesus you know two thousand plus years later so yeah and you think about different cultures and and uh especially different uh, socioeconomic levels and the birth of a child, and I'm thinking internationally here and throughout history that, you know, the birth of a child, especially one that is awaited and, and the great fanfare and, you know, could have even been processions of elephants, you know, in some lands and, and just this great fanfare. And then you have this savior who is the one who created the entire universe born in the stillness of the night silent night without all the fanfare just a couple animals 
some shepherds that show up. Yeah, what a dichotomy. And there's a Caesar, like you're saying. Right. And there's a message for us there, right? Like, hey, we can, you know, we've talked about it a million times, like be careful on wanting to be formed by what we honor in this world, in this fallen world, which is what Caesar represents in the gospel, right? He's come to power and represents all of these, these fallen ways versus literally the, the creator of the universe, our savior being born in different ways and, and teaching us in these, these very strange controversial and, and thought provoking manners as he gets older. Um, who are you going to listen to? And you're, 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 you're given a choice. If you think about it, if you look at the story that way or the history of the thing that way, you're given a choice. We're given a choice every day. Who are we going to follow? Are we going to follow the world and Caesar, the Caesar Augustus of the world? Or are we going to follow Jesus and what he's told us? And we fight that fight every day. Yeah. Yeah. So that's to me a Christmas message that we don't really think about is that choice that we have to choose multiple times a day our whole life. I can't remember. Um, was it Cardinal Ratzinger? When he was elected, I think. Uh, anyway, there's one of the cardinals that was, yeah, it was Cardinal George, I think it was, was standing there, uh, mm. you know, at, at the top of St. Peter's and overlooking the plaza with all those people that had been praying for a new pope. And he had this kind of, uh, kind of mischievous look on his face. It was a Bishop Aaron, I think, who yeah. asked him what it was. Well, sorry, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he was just looking at it with all those crowds and thinking how, you know, one time Caesar had Rome at his feet, uh, but Caesar came and Caesar went. And yet here, St. Peter, the church, uh, the seat of Peter still stands after all of these thousands upon thousands of years. And what a great reflection it was that the church will always triumph, which is something we were talking about this Sunday at our our uh, Sunday dinner. Yeah, we were. Her families were talking about the church. um Seems to be going through some real hard times here in the United States and persecutions and losing priests right and left. And, you know, myself included in that, uh, God have mercy. And what's, what's happening. We talked about how it's just very possible that the U S is finally getting its shot at getting knocked down and eventually coming back again, because we talked about, Russia, we talked about Mexico, talked about France, you know, the, all these huge persecutions where priests weren't only just prohibited from saying mass, but they were jailed, they were killed along with, you know, many religious uh, uh, brothers, sisters, monks, hermits. I mean, they went after them all and jailed them and killed them. And Yet the church came back time after time after time. So could just be that the U.S. is finally coming up rather quickly on what's about to be a beatdown uh, so that we can hopefully come back stronger than ever. Yeah, and I, I tend to think about that time to time, being somebody who, who's really appreciated history and understanding that about the history of the church, both spiritually and, and just the, literally the historical fact that you know, there were times where the church as a whole was just almost gone. You can think back to St. Benedict and when, when Rome fell and, and all those things. And um, you would think that, you know, the, the 
the the church would fall with it, but it, it didn't. And Jesus isn't going to let that happen. It's his church. Yeah. <laughs> that's, it's that simple, right? So yeah, we, we may fall. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't fight the good fight. I mean, that's why we're here at the time that we're given. Right. But, but it's also should give us hope and that to know that look, he didn't let the church fall then. He's not going to let our church fall now or in the future. It might dwindle down to a few good souls, and maybe there's some purging that needs to happen. That's what I was telling Chris when we were talking about this is maybe we're just in need of a good reform. You know, we need a St. Francis to show up and whip some things back into shape because we were our church in some ways is is torn because we're following the Caesar Augustus way of the world in some ways. And we're falling into these traps uh, versus maybe kind of going back to our roots. So, yeah, that was it was an interesting conversation we we're having for sure. Yeah, and for for our listeners too, like when I talk about these persecutions, uh, one of the things I've been reading, uh, Jason's going to help have to help me with this guy's name because he can say this one, I can't. But uh, the Gulag Archipelago uh, by Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Solzhenitsyn. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and how the Russian soldiers found it so easy uh, to handle the priests and uh, to jail them and uh, torture them. And that's one because they tended to be more submissive to begin with, but two, they would uh, they were easy to take where they wanted because they would grab them by their beards because they had such long beards, and then they would just literally start dragging them mm-hmm. around the camp, the camp prison camps wherever they wanted because of their beards, or drag them out of their churches by their beards. So, I mean, it, it's some very harsh stuff that these people went through. You want to look at the French Revolution and find out what happened to priests. Once again, very harsh stuff. Look at. Uh, Oh, what's the name of that saint now from uh, Mexico? Uh, he was kind of a comedian, a jokester, and, uh, but he died saying Vivo Cristo Rey with his arms spread out. Uh, he was one of many hundreds of Catholic priests that were killed. So, it, it you know, it we're not just sitting here uh, on the podcast before Christmas just blowing smoke. Like, this is a real deal. And if I can, Jason, uh, one of the things that came to me in reflecting these readings, can I can I read this to you? Oh, to wow, man. Uh, something told me to go to John Paul II, something, hopefully the Holy Spirit, <laughs> told me, <laughs> go to John Paul II's homily, uh, Christmas homily, the very first year uh, he was elected Pope. So John Paul was elected Pope 1978 in October. And that December was his first Christmas homily. I'm thinking maybe the graces are just really flowing for him. He's a brand new baby Pope. He's all fired up. So sure enough, it's a pretty good homily. Um, but he says this. He says, let us all rather be there. And he's talking about in Bethlehem spiritually and, in our, and, and mentally in our minds. Let's go to that place. There in the silence of the night, night was heard the wail of a newborn infant that eternal expression of the children of the earth. At the same moment was heard the voice of heaven, that world of God dwelling in, an, in the inaccessible tabernacle of glory, the majesty of the eternal God and mother earth, making herself known by the wail of the newborn infant, enable us to glimpse the prospect of new peace, reconciliation and covenant for to us is born the Savior of the world. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. But here, here's where I really kind of saw it 
tying into where we are today. And this is 44 years ago. Nevertheless, at this moment, at this strange hour, the ends of the earth are still afar off. They are pervaded by a period of waiting, far from peace. The hearts of people are filled rather with weariness. People have fallen asleep, as have the shepherds in Bethlehem valleys close by. What is happening in the stable, in the rock cave, has a dimension of profound intimacy. It is something between the mother and the babe to be born. No outside person has access. And so I was thinking to myself, wow, that's pretty profound because he was dealing or speaking to that in 1978. Uh, the USSR was still very much uh, involved in a cold war with the US and throughout the world, all sorts of political conflicts happening, all sorts of poverty. And the homily goes on, but he basically says, you know, that as Mary and Joseph and Jesus found no room in the inn, so too in this period, God is not finding room in our hearts, that there's this inhospitable uh, like attitude uh, towards God. He says, now let us reflect briefly on the lasting meaning of this lack of hospitality on man's part towards God. All of us here wish it were different. We wish that everything with us men should be open to God, born as a man. It is with this desire that we have come here. And so he's talking about how just rough and hard the world is toward other human beings, but that that's nothing new, that that's how it was to the son of God <laughs> and to his mother and his foster father. And yet how we have a challenge before us, which is to come first to the church to celebrate this birth of Christ, to at least spiritually welcome him so that we can reorient ourselves to then welcoming uh, our neighbor, so to speak. So that was something I think that I'm going to take into, into this weekend's um, different masses and, mm -hmm. and prayers and different services, you know, and the songs that go ahead of the masses. How can I be more hospitable yeah. to God rather than less hospitable? And therefore to my, my fellow men and women. Yeah. I, I, I was thinking about how there's a tie in to one of the things as I was reading through that came out and, and it goes, it's still kind of along the lines of, of time and history and all those kinds of things. But uh, again, the reflections I was reading, it was talking something about St. Uh, Pope Benedict, what he had said. Um, and he, he had, made this statement i'd never heard this before and it makes so much sense and i'll tie it to what you're saying i promise um but he was talking about you know why why did jesus manifest at the time he did and we talked a little bit about that before last week i think and pope benedict put it in some perspective again think about the context of the world at that moment that was the first time ever in the history of of humankind that we pretty much had a world government a, a common language, road systems, all these things. So the world was finally connected. It was, I mean, the internet's a whole different ball game today, but, <laughs> but that was the first time really in all of humankind where you pretty much had 
a, a, a world perspective. And so now the world is prepared for the universal message of salvation because we all need salvation, right? Because we're fallen. That's why Jesus, he proposes, you know, one of the reasons why Jesus manifested at that point and God manifested at that point in this miraculous way is because the world was now ready for this universal message of salvation because you could spread it. Like just the, just the practicality of that, like in, in, it was really cool to think about. It's like, well, okay, that's what was happening at that point. So there's this, you know, nothing in, in God's plan is arbitrary, right? right. Um, so it made me think about what what does that mean for us today? And connected to what you you were saying, it's it's for me, it was more of a a, a gratitude, right, of this salvation. Um, you're saying, Hey, I need to be more hospitable to God. Um, which in a way I feel like I'm saying the same thing, but just with a different twist. And that when I think of being grateful to God, a lot of times my mind goes to, Hey, thanks for allowing me to live. Thanks for my family. Thanks for the things that I have. And I, I probably don't thank God enough for his constant, just coming at us in, in, in putting himself in this position to allow us to be saved because we didn't have, we've talked about this before. We don't have the power to save ourselves from the fall. We, we, our ancestors long, long ago made a huge mistake as far as how God intended this, this, this partnership to be, if you will. Um, and we couldn't fix it, you know, only he can fix it. And this is, this is how he does it. He comes to us as this, this first humble child, but then gives himself up on the cross to save us from our sins. Um, so to me, it's more of not being necessarily um, more hospitable, but maybe to think a little bit more about, hey, I should be grateful for him saving me, giving me this potential path to eternal life. Um, that's real. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, I guess for me, I don't, I don't, I don't think I'm grateful enough or often enough for that very fact. And I think the Christmas story opens that up, especially when I, I read what Pope Benedict had to say about this, this time and why, why he came at that point. Yeah. I, and that gratitude, it's so, and I, I hesitate to go negative here, but it's so <laughs> hard to, you know, because people's, People want to be there, I think, for the most part. Like, I'm just thinking about this past week. You know, I just, uh, you know, rushing around, packing the car up with presents and clothes to go visit the in-laws. And everybody's traveling and everybody's going to visit people. Okay, all good things. Like, we're going to be together on the holidays if we can. And so, good. Uh, at work, we've got, you know, a staff lunch and a cookie bake exchange things everybody spends all his time making cookies Chris, and exchanging Chris did not them. make his own cookies i'm gonna rat him out right now <laughs> no i didn't he, he people wouldn't want my cookies so chris workforce if you're listening i'm ratting him out next year he better bake those cookies <laughs> they, they don't want me to. <laughs> <laughs> sorry i had to do it <laughs> threaten him with edibles <laughs> um sorry. so no i i i, I like i I see all those things as like good, like people want to share in this joy. I mean, it's, it's simplified by like the happy, like Frosty the Snowman Christmas songs versus the religious 
Christmas hymns, you know, like Silent Night or Away in a Manger. Like, I want to hear more of that shit on the radio <laughs> and less of this other stuff that, that's out there. Not that I want to not hear that, but just bring in something that can help us remember to be grateful for what we have received. And I'm not talking about the presents, not talking about the baked cookies, whether I bought them at the store or whether somebody made them. I'm talking about the Jesus Christ, the son of God, who is our savior born for us. Yeah. No, I, that's exactly what I was saying. I mean, and and that's where it's like, it's not that we shouldn't be grateful for Frosty and the cookies and the family. Like that's all good stuff. It's not bad. I don't think that's what you're saying. No, no I think no. maybe the point we're trying to come across from these readings and, and are both saying it maybe in different ways is look, take a second and and maybe more and, and be, let's be grateful for the what we probably i mean it's way more important our, our eternal salvation right and this how can this not be a positive thing like the fact that the god is always chasing after us and he chased after us in this crazy insane way if you really think about it right like in our own he he manifests himself as a human being so that he can sacrifice himself <laughs> because that's the only way to show us that hey the way to get to, the the way to live this thing we call life is to actually give ourselves up for each other and that's our only way to eternal salvation like it's 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 a really amazing thing and it i don't take it as a negative it's just it, we, we get blinded by these cute and nice things right but how many pot like and i just i just confess i don't do it enough i don't think about these really truly important things we should be grateful for and and that's what I, don't, I hate to call it a story. That's why he came, um, is to get us to remember that. And and so, the question I would, I keep I, I write down questions because I want to hopefully get people to think. And the last question I wrote down is like, okay, so he came at that particular time to be born, and he and he sacrificed himself at that particular time. So what's our job now in this time? Uh, you know, it, and I, I was thinking about that. For me, it's it, it might be just as simple as like we got to keep. We gotta keep the 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 real truth alive <laughs> yeah. in the post-Christian world. Hey, and it's just one person at a time, maybe like, hey, just maybe a challenge to everybody out there is just just when the moment's right, just one person maybe just somehow share that these these truths that we're talking about, the, the truth about salvation, the truth about God constantly chasing us to see things the way he intended us to live, not the way the world has been. So maybe it's just, I don't know, maybe that's it. <laughs> no, I, I'm right along with you on that because I was thinking we've got to go deeper. And what you were saying even before that, that question is in the gratitude, in the, you know, the season, the cheesy line, like Jesus is the reason for the season. Uh, <laughs> yes. It's going deeper. Good job. Like to go deeper into it and, but take know, a Santa step, Claus. But take one Santa step. Claus, past Santa Claus is Saint Nick. Yeah. Who's Saint Nick? Saint Nicholas. What was Saint Nicholas doing? He was doing what Jesus told him to do, <laughs> which is to go give to the poor, to give everything you've got, yeah. to be grateful for what you've got, and then share that freely with others. 
But that's, you know, you, you said something on like fellow Christians. Yes, Jesus is the season and we put we've reason for the season. We put that on our bumper stickers and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. you know what? We've got to do better than that because much better. The, the person nine out of 10 people driving by don't really understand what you're trying to say. Not at they all. Don't really realize that that this story about God manifesting himself as, as this child in this crazy situation and and parents having to flee to egypt because this crazy king wants to kill all these kids because he's scared and 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 then killing you know giving himself up on the car like getting people to think about what was really happening and like that's take it one step the bumper sticker is not good enough i guess is my (laughs) you've got to do more than a bumper sticker right but it's but it's a start it's a step Yeah, but I think that that going deeper has got to be more in a relational way. It can't be on a bumper sticker. It can't be in a tweet. It's got to be, hey, there's we've got to get ourselves to talk to others and at, at some point share the, these deeper truths, if you will. Yeah, hmm. because what we're up against is is I, I didn't even think about this till now, but I was talking to one of the guys at work, and he was we were talking about how I was recently in New York City and how they legalized recreational marijuana. They're selling it out of gallon bags in the Times Square, smoking in front of the cops' faces. I mean, this is horrible. Everywhere you go, smell marijuana. Same thing in so many other states. We've already seen that. So we were talking about that, and the guy says, yeah, my friend, he moved up to Michigan. They made it legal. Had some guys come over to work on his uh, heating cooling system. They're out there in the car. He watches them. All smoke up before they come in, they're just slow, blah, 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 blah. Finally get the job done. They leave. When they're leaving, they smoke up before they leave. Then they get to the new job. You're probably expecting they're going to smoke again. Then all of a sudden they call them and they're like, hey, hey, dude, we got to come back. We left our tools at your house. (laughs) I mean, you know, like this is what we're looking at. So. This is why we're saying it's going to take more than a bumper sticker. And and maybe if you're in a conversation with somebody who you feel it needs to hear it that bold, and some people really do say, hey, I, I see you're smoking up. Yeah, it's legal now. Yeah, you know what I do to find that peace? I pray. Do you pray? I mean, it's it's not a judgment thing. It's an invitation to go deeper or else what's the point? Let's just keep singing Frosty the Snowman until we're all <laughs> completely deaded to ourselves. <laughs> Ooh, that was a <laughs> dark fast there. <laughs> <laughs> Combination of things that Chris does not want. Recreational marijuana and frosty snowman. Noted. <laughs> Noted. No, I think we're we're on I, I think something hopefully that we could leave everybody with. I know we're running out of time here, but um it's it is and I you know, there's always those moments I still think in Christmas where you do you do find that quiet moment and maybe it is during silent night at mass or whatever. And it's you you have that moment with just peace on earth and quietness and maybe that moment reflect on on these deeper truths, I guess. It'd be the last thing I would throw out to people. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I know you guys are hitting the road here pretty soon. Um, not necessarily this evening, but I know that's you guys are leaving tomorrow. So safe travels, safe travels to all of our listeners. If you are on the road during Christmas, um, Saint Christopher, pray for you for safe travel. Yeah, Amen. We'll wrap it up in prayer. May the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you. Thank you for the amazing gift of this path to eternal salvation. That you are the path. 
and that in through your gospels and through your time on earth and through your prayers now and, and time with you, you're eagerly trying to tell us and share with us the way. And if we just ask that you help us to stop being distracted from the things that that's you know prevent us from listening. Uh, we we know that you communicate a lot of times differently than than what we tend to <laughs> communicate with each other. So help us to get rid of all those distractions so that we can truly hear what you have to say and truly are grateful for uh, the amazing gift of, of yourself uh, and this path to our, our salvation. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the gift of yourself. That as I just went dark in my commentary, so you came into that darkness bringing and being the light that would show the way for those who believe in you. Thank you for my faith. Thank you for the faith of my good friend Jason, for that of our listeners. And we pray this Christmas, increase our faith. We believe, Lord. Help us believe all the more. We ask this. Through you who live and reign forever with the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. May God bless you. May God bless you all and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone.